Hello! A very happy Sunday morning to everybody. You're listening to St. Mark Lutheran Church in Bemidji's podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Bulk Discount Church Coffee Company, making you wish you had brought some from home since 1965. The principles of Jesus' kingdom might seem self-defeating, contrary to conventional wisdom, or even self-preservation. However, Jesus' resurrection proves that when we look at life as he teaches, we see it as it really is. Perhaps this is nowhere truer than in what Jesus' words teach us today. Selfless love is a more excellent way than self-glorification. If you're interested in learning more about our ministry, may I suggest you take a peek at our website, www.stmarksbemidji.org. You may also be interested in subscribing to our YouTube channel for video podcasts or friending us on our Facebook page. If you have any trouble finding us at all, just take a look at the show notes in the podcast for the links. I also want to hear from you, too. If you have any feedback on the podcast or you just want to say hi, drop me a line at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. Our sermon for today is titled, Christ's Love Moves You Out of the Way and is based upon Acts 11, verse 1 through 18. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of an uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. And I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered in the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us in the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. We now join Pastor Zamzo for the sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our risen Lord, amen. There was a woman who signed up to teach vacation Bible, vacation Bible school over the summer. 
She had done it before and she was excited to do it again to share the love of Christ with the children. This year she was particularly excited because it would be the first year that her own son would be a part of her class. She was excited and she was enthusiastic about having him in there. Maybe you see where this is going. However, it didn't take long for her enthusiasm for teaching to be dashed because on the first day of class, the most mischievous, loud, most difficult child in the room was her own son. He knew how to push her buttons. He knew how to get her riled up. He knew how to get her irritated. He viewed himself as privileged. I mean, in, in a way, I suppose he was. I mean, come on, he'd seen the answer key in the leader's guide at home already. He helped put together the sample craft. Why should he do all these lessons again? Why should he do this craft again? No, everybody needed to get where he was. He was already there. He was comfortable and he was familiar in the classroom. He was comfortable and familiar with his mom and he wasn't taking, therefore, the lessons or her job which she was being called to do on those days seriously. So instead he made it about himself, concerned only with what entertained him and made him feel the center of attention. He was the teacher's kid, after all, and everybody needed to catch up to where he was. And his poor mother trying to teach and to share the love of Christ with that class, and he was in the way. He was in the way of his class hearing it, and he was in the way of himself hearing it. I heard a moment ago the words of those first lesson from the book of Acts in chapter 11. And initially while we read that, we might get hung up on that fantastic vision that Peter sees it's a good vision, it's a, it's a powerful vision, but there's a reason for it. And to cut to the chase, really, the, the reason for all of this, where God sends Peter this vision of sending down this sheep with all these animals on it, and saying, go, Peter, kill and eat. Now, the main point of all of this comes at the end. When Peter utters these words, if God gave them the same gift He gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? The un understand that when Peter receives this vision, it comes at a critical juncture in church history. The greatest challenge that faced the church in those days is the very thing that is highlighted in this reading. On the one hand, you have Jews and Gentiles. People who are diametrically opposed to one another. Now belonging to the same congregation. You have the Gentiles, Romans, Greeks, 
people whose nations had at one time, both people of uh, whose nations who had at one time tried to occupy and oppress, oppress or suppress the Jewish people, who had committed acts of atrocities in, in their own land. And on the other side, you have the Jews, the Jewish people, who had been brought up being told that they are God's chosen people, His royal nation. People who had received the law, the Ten Commandments from the top of Mount Sinai. People who boasted in the fact that they had the place of worship of the one true God in their city in the temple in Jerusalem. A people with many rich traditions and ceremonies and rituals which were tightly woven into the fabric of their identity, the way they dressed, the way they talked, right down to the things that they ate. They were the teacher's kid, so to speak. And now you got these pig-eating Gentiles that think they have the same access to the grace of God. No, they were stubborn and they said, no. No, those Gentiles need to catch up to where we are at. They first need to go do all the things that we had to do first. Then and only then will they be in, in the right place with God. You see the disdain with which Peter is approached here at the beginning of this reading. The apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the Word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now the former Jews were tempted to see themselves as privileged or superior to the Gentiles because of their culture and because of their history, their customs, and their ceremonies. And they wanted it necessary, wanted it to be necessary for these Gentile peoples, these new believers, to catch up to where they were at by following all of their Old Testament ceremonial laws. And in so doing, they were standing in the way of the Gospel. But God puts a powerful stop to that here. With this powerful vision from Peter, He intervenes by giving Peter this vision, by telling him, that all of those Old Testament, Old Testament ceremonial laws had been met with fulfillment in Christ Jesus. How? Peter puts two and two together. And this is the purpose for the vision. He had been told in this powerful vision not to call unclean what God has made clean. Keep in mind that Jesus Himself used the exact same verbiage on the night that He was betrayed. When He went to His apostles, He went to His disciples, and He washed their feet. And He said, unless I wash you, you have no part with Me. And then He looks at Peter directly in John chapter 13, verse 10, and He says to him, you are clean. You, Peter, are clean. And again, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were gifted 
with the ability to speak in other languages, Gentile languages, for the purpose of sharing the Gospel with them, unclean people. God had called them now clean. Washed in the blood of Christ too. And Peter saw this very thing happen in the home of this Gentile family. The family of Cornelius. To whom he had delivered the Gospel message. The Gospel of Jesus by which they are made clean. By which they are saved. And this all impressed on Peter that God does not play favorites. That the blood that was that the blood of Jesus that was spilled is not meant for only a certain group of people or people who have done a certain thing. But that blood has washed clean all people. All are able to put their hope in Jesus for all of this and not be afraid to stand before God. It was the love of God in Christ Jesus that moved Peter's stubborn heart out of the way. And as Peter recalled this story, to these at one time skeptical Jewish people. Notice their response after he tells them of the love of Jesus because the the love of Christ moves their self-centered, privileged hearts out of the way of the Gospel as well. They respond, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, So then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. How could God be any clearer with all of this? If God Himself glorifies all those who believe in Him, regardless of race or culture or social standing or sex or lifelong Christian or faithful Lutheran or brand new Christian, maybe slightly wayward Lutheran, who in the world are we to think Otherwise, it is unequivocally true, friends, that we cannot add to how powerful God's Word is. We can't make it more effective than it already is. It is powerful. It moves hearts on its own. However, as this text makes clear and points out in our sinfulness, we can stand in the way of it. I had a professor who repeatedly said time and time and time again, I want to be the least barrier to the Gospel that I can possibly be. I think about this and and recall those words and ponder the meaning of this text in front of us and I think back on myself. I've been a lifelong Lutheran like many of you. And of course, I have my own preferences for how things should be done in worship. I like things the way that I like them. I realize that at some point that I might be guilty of all this as well. Namely, doing what I want because I like it. I hear the self-centered, privileged voice within myself. In my own self-centered heart. And I often hear it here as well. There's a danger in established congregations like ours. To make the focus on what I want or what makes me happy or what I like. And we get stuck on personal preferences of the way things that used the, the way things used to be. Or when I was younger, I just we just all had to deal with this, and then everything needs to everybody else just needs to catch up to where I am. As though that matters to God in some way, shape, or form. 
None of that matters to God. God doesn't care about any of that. We haven't paid any dues in. The only thing the Lord cares about is that His Gospel goes out. The saving message of Christ goes out to a lost and dying world. And each one of us has the sinful heart that cries out again and again and again, I want, I want, I want, I want. Let's silence it. And instead, no matter what it is, no matter what issue arises in church, whether it's something that we are voting on or something that is proposed or the way that we interact with one another or with a new member or with the person that has come in the door for the first time, Let's silence the I want and ask the question instead, how can the gospel get out? How can the gospel get out? Hear the words of Jesus in the gospel reading for today again. He says to his disciples, on the night that he's betrayed, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. A new command? What's new about this? It sounds pretty old if you ask me. Jesus is raising the bar. He says, love one another not as you love yourself, not as you would have done unto you. Jesus says now, love as I have loved you. And how has Christ loved us? but sacrificed everything that he could even be conceived as some sort of self-centered thing in him. Sacrificed any personal preference that he had, namely staying in the glories of heaven and coming down here and laying himself in the muck of our existence, all to call us his own, even though we have no business being so. To call us clean, even though so often we don't look like it. To prepare for a place for you at his table both here and hereafter. As we recall how he sacrificed all of what would have been his own personal preference, and he came here to have no glory, no kingdom, no castle, no home to call his own. And he could have called it all his own way, perfect and clean, though he was, yet he chose instead to be called unclean and cursed. And he chose to make himself sin for us, for all people and brothers and sisters in Jesus. That is the gospel. How does that get out? That the Son of God, the Son of God sacrificed anything and everything for you and for me, for all people. That rich love of Christ needs to get out. That rich love of Christ moves our sinful hearts out of the way. We have such a rich story to tell. 
We have such a glory to share in not from ourselves, but the One who gave it to us and called us clean. So in all of our dealings, no matter what it is, brothers and sisters in Christ, or people out in the world, or the person who comes in the door for the first time, keep in mind the person who has never been in church before. Let the love of Christ, recall the love of Christ, and let it move us out of the way that His glory might shine clearer, brighter, and sweeter. That that love of Christ might move another sinful heart away from sin and guilt and on to the hope of salvation in Him. Amen. That's all there is for today, but we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's Word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this, Monday through Friday, and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website at www.stmarksbemidji.org.